Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. We figured since we've got a bit of spare time on our hands, we'd interview some of our fave celebs and influential figures in the beauty industry and share those interviews with you. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when a bonus episode drops. So today's bonus episode, we have a very special guest. This was on our bucket list, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. We're calling it our podcast bucket list. So Hung Van Gogh, he's a makeup artist based in New York. He literally paints the faces of the most famous people. Literally. Everybody. Everyone. And I think one of my favourites is because I'm such a big Grey's Anatomy fan is Ellen Pompeo. I like I'm obsessed with her. So he, Selena Gomez is probably one of his most uh, regular mm-hmm. faces that he paints and Emily Ratajkowski. Yeah. And I also saw that um, Rosie Huntington-Whiteley and Kate Bosworth did something for Rose Inc. You know how Rosie has that platform called Rose Inc.? Yes. And they actually recreated one of the looks that he did on Kate. And I'm like, you have to be very good for two really famous people to be like, let's recreate something he did. Like he does some, he's done some amazing looks on the at the Met Gala. Mm-hmm. I loved um, Selena Gomez's pink yes. eye look. That was incredible. And he also is pretty well known for his red mm-hmm. lip. And we get the lowdown on exactly how to nail a red lip. Yep. Which, by the way, I've been doing right. So I'm really <laughs> happy to hear that. You are someone that I have followed on Instagram for a really, really long time. So welcome to the podcast. Hung Van Gogh, you were born in Vietnam, but you're now based in New York and you work on some of the world's most famous faces. I know that Selena Gomez is one of your regular clients, but you've actually got a really, really interesting backstory into how you got to where you are now. Are you able to share a little bit of that with us? Thank you so much for having me. So basically when I was a refugee, my family and I, we escaped Vietnam uh, we got to Thailand, and then we end up in Calgary, Alberta, in Canada. I went to hair, um, high school there. After high school, I went to hairdressing school. So I was starting out as a hairdresser. When I was in school, I was fascinated about, you know, like all those supermodels from the 90s and all those fashion magazines. But I never realized that hair was I, I, that makeup was really what I wanted to do. I thought because when I was in Calgary, you never heard about someone do makeup for a living. Mm. Yeah, b- besides people work as a makeup counter in the mall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought maybe because in order to work that, I should work as a hairdresser. So I went to hairdressing school. And uh, when I finished school uh, in the first salon I was working at, they, uh, they have a makeup station. And then I was playing with makeup to my coworkers and my friends and then I realized that's really is my true love is makeup I, I would work in a salon um, and then the weekend I would do like bridals and then on Sunday and Monday using my day off I start testing with uh, you know I reach out to a local agency I start to test and to have a chance to do more makeup work in 2003 that was my first time went to New York and when I arrived to New York for my first trip, and I was like, this is my, you know, a place I want to be, you know, it's central fashion. That's where I always read on the magazine. That's everything. And then I came back and I talked to my local agent at the time. And he said, 
you know, you can't really just move to New York. You have to have a working paper. You have to have legal permit to work there, and you don't have much experience. So when you go there, you're going to get lost. So we thought of the what would be the best idea. So I moved to Toronto. It's like the central of uh, fashion in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I quit the salon, and everyone thought I was crazy because I actually, uh, so, um, hairdressing was a gift that I was really good at, and people were really good um, to me, and I have really good clientele in Calgary. But I was like, I'm gonna give up everything. I'm gonna go and try this, and then you know I saved some money and I moved to Toronto, tried to get an agency in Toronto. I was there for uh, since 2004. 2006 and of course like when I was in Toronto it's only one hour flight to New York so I come to New York mm-hmm. all the time and you know my heart keeps saying you know I have to be here I have to be here and um, my agent in Calgary at the time he has a partner in Portland Oregon in the state and they have an agency so they helped me to sponsor me come over to the state and uh, I came to New York in 2006 you know, the rest of history. Yeah. And that's how you ended up doing the, the most famous faces in the world. <laughs> no, it was really, it was really hard at the first uh, few years because the first year I couldn't get an agency in New York and I, I don't have a lot of money. The client I built in Toronto for two years, they was very supportive and they keep still cook, uh, um, uh, still booking me and I keep flying back to, to, uh, to Toronto to do work and then make some money and keep going back to New York. And then slowly I start, you know, make meet more people, you know, and start slowly getting work. And then my agent at the wall group at the time keeps seeing my name in the call sheet. She looked me up and she went to my website and she saw something in me and they emailed me. And they say, we would love to see you at the wall group. And then I went to meet them four times. And uh, finally they took me in and... Um, the rest history, basically. So I, I've been with them since, it's like 13 years now. Wow. Wow. What an amazing story. So we'd probably classify you as the king of glowy skin. What are your secrets for creating that beautiful glow on any skin type, including myself? I'm an oily skin type. Um, I wouldn't say king of glowing skin. <laughs> <laughs> I think those terms is always a bit, uh, you know, overwhelming to uh, you know, but I think I think the key, which is for me, is I mm-hmm. a good makeup is always start with prepping skin really well, and it's just like when you build a house, you have to build everything around before you build it. So it's the same thing. In order to have good skin, you have to prep the skin. You know, cleanse as well, do a little exfoliating, and then uh, you know you mask if you can, and uh, and then like that you build them to, to create the, the glow from within coming out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, they don't prep the skin and they just put on a foundation and they just put on like luminizer and they think that's going to give you that glowy look. No, it doesn't. It just gives you that temporary look, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, after a little while, become chalky and flaky. So you have to prep the skin really well. Yeah. So I've noticed that you do like to do a bit of a bold red lip. I've seen you do it on Selena and Rosie Huntington-Whiteley and Kate Bosworth at the Met was one of my favourite looks. Do you have any red lip tricks that you can share with us or do you have any specific shades in your kit that you love to recommend? I think in general, most women, when they wear on themselves, they love more like a, a creamier red lipstick. But for photograph, I think it's always photograph better 
if you go more matte finish. Mm-hmm. The reason is because when uh, when you wear like a red lipstick, creamy texture, it feels so comfortable. It's nice throughout the day, but if you actually have photograph taken, the lighting, the flash, have you noticed that when someone have like a beautiful, perfect red lips, and then in photograph, it look a little messy. It look like the person mm-hmm. doesn't draw really well on the lips. So it's when I, I, I love the creamy texture of the lipstick, but when I get more into the red carpet, I've learned that the matte finish on the red, on darker color, is always photographed richer and, you know, the light doesn't reflect much. You see the, the, the color deeper and richer. So that's the key. Mm -hmm. So obviously we haven't been to an event in a pretty long time, but we can't wait for when we're allowed to attend events again. Do you have any tips for long-lasting event makeup? Again, back to what I said earlier, prep the skin really well. You know, I mean, that's the key. And I I myself, I don't use a lot of primer. It doesn't really hold the makeup. I feel like it slipped off the makeup. I'd rather go with more setting spray at the end than a primer. I think really hydrating the skin really well is a key. And then you just blot what the over the, the excess moisture and then you, you start the foundation. And then you finalize with the T-zone uh, powder on the T-zone and then you spray with the setting spray at the end. Right. What would be some of your favorite prep products in your kit at the moment? Well, I mean, everyone loved the, um, what do you call that, uh, Creoline, Creoline, the oh, remover. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good remover. Um, if you like uh, exfoliator, I love the exfoliator from Dr. Lancer. If you are not physical exfoliator uh, and you like more uh, a chemical exfoliator, I love the baby facial from Drunk Elephant. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one you should do before the day of the, the, the event. Uh, you know, the yeah. night before you put on your face, you know, leave for 15, 20 minutes, wash it off. You know, and that's a good way. It's basically you don't have to exploit it. It's basically you take off the dead skin and your skin yeah. feel like a baby. And and then, you know, I always use a good mask. You know, like Tatcha have great sheet masks, SK2. I mean, there's so many great sheet masks, you know. Um, 111 Skin have mm-hmm. great masks and a lot of brand, yeah. Yeah, I love that SK2. The SK2 yeah. mask is beautiful. So good for event prep. Agree with that. I usually follow it with the Aspect Probiotic mask, which if you could get in the US, we would force you to get hung because I think you would love it for um, skin prep. So I wanted to ask, we know that you probably can't choose a favorite celebrity that you work with, but do you have an all-time favorite look that you've done? I love the look that I did with Emily Radoskowski for the Emmy. I'm not sure you mm-hmm. remember. It was like the blue, eye, the teal eyeshadow, like a kind of a color, like a, a blocking shape on the eyeshadow. Yes, I think I do remember that. Uh, that when she has slick hair, and that's one of my favorite. Um, I love the year that I did uh, two years ago. I did Jennifer Lawrence for the Oscar. Like she all bronze color and, mm-hmm. and she have wavy hair and she have this golden dress. I love that one. I love the, the look I did for Selena Gomez when I did the bright pink color. Yes, loved that lip. Yeah, because I think it's nice, you know, like it's like I love that uh, look on her. So, I mean, I love the look I did for uh, Julia Garner when she won the Saks Award. Mm-hmm. Also, brown and golden and her lips, it's more metallic gold. 
so those are some of my favorites for sure. So when you're prepping for a, an event like a red carpet or an awards ceremony or something like that, do you work really closely with your clients to come up with that brief for what makeup they're going to have for the evening? Do you have heaps of input into what their look ends up being? Uh, I'm actually the type of person who is like, I. if you ask me, you say, Hung, can you draw out what you're going to do with the look? I can't do it. You know what I mean? I love to have a little freedom. It's actually easier for me to explain to us. I think we should go more, you know, a red lips, maybe a little bronze, a little liner. Like I can explain like that. But you tell me like, bring a photo, show me what you're going to do. It's impossible for me to work because I work with a face at the heart at the moment. And I was like, I add a little here, a little more. And it's really hard for me to tell you upfront exactly what I'm going to do. But the good thing about me is that I I like to communicate with the client really well. So I love them when I when for a big event, I usually ask, can you please send me a photo of the dress? You know, the stylist sent to us. And then we when we meet, you know, we have an idea of what she wearing and we can discuss them. Usually for like the eye shape or anything like that, the client can put the trust on me to decide on them. Usually the lipstick color, usually I, I let like, you know, we discuss together. I do a whole bunch of swipe on the arm and then we say we pick with the color that they feel most comfortable. Because, you know, like I love one red lipstick, but doesn't mean she would love that color on her. So it's have to be a compromise between, you know. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier that you actually started off as a hairdresser. Do you often put your hairdressing cap on at the same time or you're like strictly, I only really like to do makeup now, I only do hair if I have to? When I first moved to New York, because uh, in New York, people prefer you to do one or the other. I want people to take me serious as a makeup artist. So I, I never tell them that I used to be a hairdresser. Uh, but it's really hard to hide because I'm actually a very gifted hairdresser. So I'm always like, I get opinion when we're on set or when we do anything. And, and because the language I use for hairdressing, it was pretty, pretty spot on. They understand exactly what I'm saying. It's not like a, a makeup artist to explain something. I'm, I, I, I tell them my input, but I give like exactly the right term so they know exactly what I'm talking about. So after a while, they say, you know what? You're not really a makeup artist. Why, you know, like, you know, like level of colors or anything like that, you know what I mean? And so I can't hide them at the end. And then there's a lot of hairdressers that I work with. And a lot of them I work with, they, they, they trust my opinion. They love my input because they know that I, I do have a good taste and I understand hair. But a few, of course, they get very sensitive. So depend on who. I'm always trying to, you know, be mindful about that. Yeah, yeah. So you've worked on some beautiful faces like Cindy Crawford and Julianne Moore. Do you have any makeup tips for women of all ages? In general, not just young or old, but in generally when you get a little older, I think you should go with more cream texture. You know what I mean? Instead of like you too much powder or too much like powder eyeshadow, try to go with more cream eyeshadow. Like cream blush, cream eyeshadow. It's going to be more forgiving. It's fresher on the skin. Mm-hmm. So I tend to use more uh, an, uh, a cream texture on mature skin for sure. Yeah. And if you had to give any tips to aspiring makeup artists, whether they be based in Australia or the US, 
what kind of tips would you give any artists that are wanting to be in a similar position to you where you're doing, you know, really famous faces and obviously you come across as super successful? What tips would you have for those people? So the thing about that is that I find that the social media thing is like, it's good, but it's also really bad in a lot of ways, especially for young makeup artists. Like some of them, they would have like a little amount of follower. They think they're ready. But, you know, the thing that when you work in the level people I'm working with, they know makeup. Cindy Crawford know makeup really well. Julian Moore, she have a face done for like, you know, 30, 40 years. So they know makeup. They know history of makeup. They know all the product and know everything. So if you want to get to a really high level, you should be fully prepared. You should learn your craft. You should learn your history of makeup. You should learn your preferences. And that part, a lot of young makeup artists, they need to learn that. Because a lot of time, because they just think they have a little social media and they think they're ready. But sometimes you're not. Because when you work with everyday people, just normal, they don't understand. It's fine. But when you work with people like Paul, Paul, Paul Cavaco and all these people who do in the career for 50, 60 years, you know, you should know your crap because... They, they don't have patience for that, for sure, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and the thing is that, like, you need to practice, 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 you know? Like, the thing is, that's the key because when you have a chance to work with these people, it's your chance, your only chance, you know? They're not going to say, oh, okay, you do a bad job this time. I'm going to let you try again. It doesn't work yeah. like that. You're, you only one chance. And, and to be honest with you, 99% of my clientele are referral. You know, like it's just like it's because I work with one person and they likes it and they recommend another person, another person see that person. And then that's how they requested me. It's not because an agent go get the client for you. The client, the agent can get the client for you. But for you to keep the client, it's you. Yes. It's your work ethic. It's how, you know, how hard you work, how passionate you are with the makeup. So it's important. Mm -hmm. And I think passion is the key because I think if you have passion doing makeup, you have no problem to take the, pay your deal, take your time to study your craft. Yeah, totally. Great advice. And another thing that I wanted to ask you, because your photos on Instagram are so stunning and they're so clear and they just look beautiful, do you have them taken professionally or do you shoot everything on your iPhone? I took everything on my iPhone until right before the Oscars this year. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to launch a YouTube channel and one of the things I, um, I talked to my cameraman because I was like, let's film something right now. He said, no, we have to wait for that camera to shoot that camera, but the camera store is closed, so we have to wait. And I, I swear I just had this conversation with him like two hours ago. And I say, mm-hmm. you know what? It's not a camera. I have to train you something. Talking about people who do YouTube 10 years ago, you mean they cannot do a great makeup YouTube tutorial if they don't have the camera at all. It's your eye that you want the most important. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you, you adjust the color. You adjust the contract of the video after, you know. So it's not just a camera. And it's the same thing for me. I use iPhone 6 until the Oscars. I actually, one of those people was like, if my phone uh, is working fine, I don't really need to get a new phone. Yeah, I'm just in awe of how good these photos are without using a professional camera. The lighting and everything is always on point. You have to capture the best of someone. And I don't think anyone just want to look fine in the photo. You want to look great. 
you know. Yeah. And that's why I bring her to the window. I have a really white car to to balance the light and all those kind of things. You need to take in consideration if you want to take a good photo. Again, great tips. I did have one final question for you. I wondered after being in New York for this whole time, I wondered what your pinch me moment was where you were just like, is this my real life? Did you have a moment like that where you, you know, were at a shoot or something like that and you just thought, wow, I can't believe that I'm here with this person doing their makeup? There's a proverb, uh, the face that you only, you are only as good as your last work. And, uh, and I'm not just saying that try to be humble, but it's just like that's how my family always believe. Like that's like, and tomorrow starting tomorrow, no one booked me. It doesn't mean anything on my career. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that I haven't done it. Mean, it means I'm, I'm not going to able to do the job. So I think you should never take for granted of your work. And I think you should appreciate every single booking that you get, every single client requested you because that way you're going to appreciate every single thing that comes to your life. And also, you're going to appreciate that and you're going to create the best work on every single job that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great motto. Of course, like I, when I moved to New York, truly, when I moved to New York, I just want to work in fashion. I never thought about I'm going to start doing celebrity because I, it's another world that I never think I'm going to get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I just want to work with model because that's what I know of when I was, you know, want to become a makeup artist. I want to work in fashion. But you know, the celebrity fell my lap part, you know, like I just got a chance to work with one and they get another one and another one. And now I do like, you know, 60% of my work as celebrity, mm-hmm. but it was never like, okay, that's the goal that I want to do. I want to do celebrity. It was never like that. But of course there, every time I go, you know, I mean, you was like, oh my God, I can't believe work with you more. I can't believe I, I work with Cindy Craft or Helena. I mean, those people was, I was in high school looking at photos, you know, that keep you excited for sure. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us, Hung. I really enjoyed learning some of your favorite red lips as well. I'm just about to go and do a lot of red lip research. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated.